Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, especially for women who are rebuilding after abuse. Over in our group on Facebook, Held and Healed, I have been sharing a lot of great content about mental health. And one of my absolute favorite resources to share with the ladies is Flourish Therapy, which is run by my dear friends, Luke and Lauren Smallcomb, and they are our guests today. So welcome, Luke and Lauren. Thank you so much for having us, Heather. Yeah, it's great to be with you, Heather. We have had some technical difficulty, have we not? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll be sending them any resources of me helping technology-wise. <laughs> or, or me, or nope. me. This is our second attempt to record this podcast, and it's probably our fifth intro for the morning. So here we go. We are going. We are going to push through this, and we are going to cross our fingers and say our prayers that this records this time, That's because right. our conversation last week was a good one, and so we, good want to duplicate that as much as humanly possible. So why don't you go ahead and tell the people, all the people, a little bit about yourselves? So uh, we're Luke and Lauren Smallcomb, as you said. We're married for 16 years, and we run uh, Flourish uh, Therapy, which is a virtual worldwide practice. Um, we've been open for about a, just over a month. It's been really exciting. We live in Thailand, which is pretty cool. It's a beautiful place uh, with our uh, three children and um, lived here for about five years. And it's been really uh, a great adventure for us um, living yeah, over here. It has. And we have been um, in the helping fields for a long time. Luke and I both grew up as teenagers wanting to help people that, that uh, ever burning fire in a young, naive teenager's mind of just like, we want to change the world. And um, Luke has been a counselor for over 10 years, and I have been a nurse and uh, actually several different roles in healthcare. And more recently, uh, I've taken my training in nutritional therapy, and I'm helping people get to the root of their health problems associated with uh, stored trauma. And so that's where our practice opened together. We were kind of um, holistically integrating both of our work so that people can have mind-body um, healing. And so, yeah, we do that globally, enjoy the beautiful um, atmosphere of Thailand while we are also healing from our own stories. And yeah, we're going to see you here one day, Heather. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, minus mosquitoes, I'm there. <laughs> I hear you, girl. You no, know, you don't have a dread and a fear of those critters. But yeah, I, I do love traveling internationally, except for that component right there. So yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe if you could just put me like in a screened in, you know, tent the whole time I'm there. <laughs> just come during around, the right, come during the right season and they're not yeah. bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'd have to plan that strategically. So, um, yeah, the combined, the two of you have many, many years of helping people. And I love the approach of full, you know, body, mind, spirit, how we're interconnected, intertwined, interwoven. And uh, if you want to just share a couple minutes, each of you, just a little bit of your backstory and why it was important to you to be people helpers. Yes. So um, I'm sure... Most people have heard uh, the phrase uh, wounded healers, and mm -hmm. we are no exception to that. Um, I grew up in a family of a lot of chaos, a lot of trauma, um, domestic violence, abuse. Um, and 
living in that home um, did not create a regulated nervous system, mm -hmm. to say the least. So uh, I learned uh, maladaptive coping mechanisms. Um, I stuffed a lot of emotions. I um, was a pretty angry teenager uh, that didn't know what to do with his emotions and his feelings and um, didn't have language for what was going on. But as an adult, I've realized that I've struggled with uh, anxiety and depression my entire life, uh, but didn't really have language for that until about five years ago. Um, and we got married at a young age of 19 and 20 years old, mm -hmm. uh, high school sweethearts, uh, which was, was a good thing. Uh, but we were babies trying yeah. to love each other well that were wounded and had not dealt with any parts of our story. And so that made a difficult uh, beginning of our marriage. We got, we had kids early um, and I was a very dysregulated young adult that was also trying to go through school um, and we struggled and loved each other, but love isn't always like, uh, enough. And, um, and we, but we, but I worked, I tried to really work on, on myself and it wasn't until I started grad school to pursue counseling. Um, counseling was never my, my story, never in my framework, um, Growing up, emotional health was not important. Um, we didn't talk about counseling. We didn't talk about our feelings. Uh, we didn't really talk much at all. Um, so, uh, but I did like to help people. I had a heart, um, even growing up as a teenager, wanting to help people, wanting to listen to people's stories, wanted to make people feel safe. Um, I remember even as a 16 year old listening to some show on the radio, um, and just thinking like, I would love to help marriages. I would love to help marriages heal. I was 16. I didn't know anything about marriage, but I just, wow. I wanted, I knew that I wanted people to know how to feel loved and to, to love and, um, but didn't really have a language, but mid twenties, I decided to go get my master's um, as a counselor. And there I started being introduced to attachment to um, trauma to talking about emotions. We would have, we even had a class. It was like a group counseling class with all the students of like 20 of us. And we would just talk about our stories. And I started realizing like, oh wait, other people struggle. Mm, other people feel yeah. embarrassed. Other people have insecurities. Other people question themselves. And, and so I started there, it started really I started realizing like I struggle um, and my story was hard and not healthy. And so I started to going down that path of exploring more my inner world. Um, and then just being a counselor, I wanted to be authentic. So I started, as I was learning things, I wanted to apply what I was going to ask my clients to apply. Sure. And, and so always challenge myself to be authentic, to um, do that inner work. And the more I learned and the more I applied, the more I realized 
uh, more of my story. And, and then just the last several years of learning about story work and, and nervous system regulation and um, somatic expressions and the vagus nerve and just that mind-body connection is just taking me to a whole nother level of, of healing and wholeness. And, um, and I have not arrived, but I am, <laughs> I am, I always tell people I'm, I'm farther than I was and, yeah. Yeah. um, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm farther than I, where, than where I was. And I try to also encourage other people, like we can, we can be so discouraged that we're not healed, but, mm -hmm. but we can be hopeful because we're in progress moving forward. And, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple components there to a healthy therapist. So you're constantly working on you. You are humble in your um, just pursuit of knowledge and wanting to learn and soak up more. You have, you know, worked through your stuff and you continue to do that. And you, you clearly state, I have not arrived. And so <laughs> it's really important that as we uh, choose our counselors, that we don't set them up as gods. <laughs> we yes. understand that, you know, every person is human and most people that get into this field are coming because they, they lack things in their childhood and they really want to give to others something that they did not have. So everyone has a story. Some counselors will be more willing to share pieces of that than others. But yeah, I, I love that about you all. You don't set yourselves up as being these little mini gods and <laughs> that you know everything. And you also have such a great, on your social media platforms, you have such a great blending of humor with incredible amounts of, of knowledge. So I think that makes it really easy for people to follow your content. <laughs> Thank you. And we get to see a very different side of you all in your reels. Cause I wouldn't know, <laughs> I wouldn't know that that goofy, silly side of you existed without. <laughs> Yeah. And that, yes. that makes you more approachable too. So yes. And Lauren, a little bit of your story. Yeah. Yeah. I, my story is, uh, has a lot of similarities to Luke, but it's a little bit more white picket fence, you know, the story where, um, everything looks really good on the outside and it's not until you enter into adulthood and, uh, face life on your own and have to figure out who you are and what you value and what your boundaries are. And that's when you start realizing, wow, there was a lot that happened in my childhood that I kind of glamorized that really was not okay. Mm. And that really was not safe. And um, just, I, I, mine kind of happened more later on realizing the dysfunction because it was more covert. And so for my story, um, I was the helper in my family system and there was a lot of enmeshment and codependency. And then I became that in my marriage and with all the people that I wanted to help and my own care and my own inner world and regulation was completely neglected for the other, whoever that other was to be. And um, I really believe that the the things that I've experienced developed the chronic illnesses that I am now recovering from. I developed my first autoimmune disease as a five-year-old and then continued through um, childhood with some issues and then a lot more in adulthood. And uh, it's just amazing how wise the body is to try and stop you from unhealthy, unsafe relationship dynamics. Um, and so a lot of my uh, adulthood, I'm in my mid-30s, so a lot of the last several years have been realizing 
the, the different ways that I have been emotionally and spiritually harmed and uh, kind of coming out of this very tribalistic, almost cult-like mentality that I was a part of and just seeing the world in a whole new, more balanced way. It's been so freeing. It's been so painful. It's been, you know, every emotion that the healing process can be. Um, but just feeling really thankful that I'm becoming a more integrated person and am more embodied and who I really am for my children, for my friendships, for the work that I do. And the huge, huge bonus for me personally, after struggling for 15 years with uh, chronic illness, autoimmunity, chronic pain is recovering because those symptoms make life really, really difficult. Right. And so um, it's just so good to finally be regaining my life um, back in a way that really I didn't have in my 20s. Like my 20s sucked. I felt like I was mm -hmm. 80. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a lot of uh, I love that you said wounded healers, Luke, because that is absolutely what we are. And that the tenderness we have for other people um, is because, like you said, the tenderness that we long for for ourselves right. and that we have experienced, you know, in those safer relationships. It just fuels you to want other people to continue to be able to experience that. Yes, absolutely. I love your story. And I mean, now at the age you are, you probably feel 20 and 30 and 40 years younger even though it's a decade later. And I, I love that reality when we do begin to heal body, mind, mm -hmm. and spirit. Like we yes. can we can basically age in reverse is what it feels like. <laughs> and a lot of times women will, will do like before and after sh um, shots of mm. um, our group. And just to yep. see where a woman was 10 years ago when she was completely in a depression, mm -hmm. in um, chronic illness. And now 10 years later, she looks younger. <laughs> It's, I've it's seen amazing. those. It's yes, amazing. It is amazing. And go ahead. We had discussed um, before. There were three or four books that you guys just give titles real quick and authors. We don't spend a lot of time, but The Body Keeps the Score. The author is? Bessel van der Kolk. And then you mentioned, when we did this before, you mentioned another book that's a little bit more um, readable for those of us who are recovering from trauma brain, which yes. is in a similar vein. What is that one? Yep. So that's by Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. It's called What Happened to You? And that's Good. kind of like a, a modified uh, Body Keeps the Score. A lot Good. more accessible. Good. Yeah. I think I'm going to look into that. And then we also um, talked about the book Try Softer. Excellent. Yes. Andy Colbert. That's such a good, good, easy read primer for anyone wanting to begin re to recover. Or even if you're far along, it is just it's excellent. so good. Mm -hmm. So good. Really yeah. excellent. Yeah. We also yeah. we also love the book. Um, if you if you're a little bit more on the wanting to understand the science side, um, mm -hmm. the body says no by Gabor Mate is a phenomenal piece of writing. It should be in the hands of every clinician, every doctor, every physical therapist, anyone who works with people who are on a healing journey, physically or emotionally. He talks about all the research that's been done over decades showing how trauma repressed trauma emotions, repressed emotions and trauma. I couldn't get that out. Um, and how it affects the, the physical body as well as the mental body. Excellent, all excellent resources. And so one point we want to make is that, I'm hearing an echo, oops, all of a sudden, that with trauma survivors, a lot of times, most of us are going to need more than simply 
going to talk therapy. So as we progress through the rest of our time together, we're just going to discuss some things about the nervous system and then give some practical tools uh, for regulating the nervous system. And I really think that anyone who only offers um, <laughs> only offers talk therapy is kind of not going to be around a whole lot longer. Like there are just, <laughs> there's so many other things that are needed for mental health. Um, and so I'm hoping that more and more counselors will jump on and be willing to soak up the knowledge and the new modalities that we're learning about the way that you guys have. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you guys are ever learning ever evolving. And today we're going to talk about the states of the nervous system. This is all kind of new information for me. So why don't you guys go ahead and tell us all about that? Yes. Um, so yes, there's three different states in our nervous system um, that just kind of help us uh, engage with our within our day. Um, and we shift throughout those states throughout a day, depending on um, what we're experiencing and what we have experienced. So the three states, uh, there's many names for them, but we go with the simple ones of um, safe and social, sympathetic, and shutdown. So safe and social is the state of our nervous system where we feel uh, regulated, we feel grounded, we have hope, we have access to like adventure and our uh, social um, social desires are kind of online and we pursue connection, we pursue play. Um, we can experience intimacy and like, again, we, we can hope and dream of our future and things that we want to do. Um, we can stay regulated, we can co-regulate, uh, whether as a parent, we can co-regulate our kids or as a, within relationships, we can co-regulate each other. Um, we can problem solve and uh, creatively. Uh, we can heal and recover. We can rest. This mm -hmm. is where our body is able to heal is when we're in this state. And um, so physically, this may, this is when we kind of feel, uh, we have, we can take those deep breaths. Our heart rate is, is at a rested, easy uh, rate, depending on your body. Um, but we can take those deep, slow breaths. We're not hypervigilant of danger. We're not looking for um, threats. We're not like um, assuming that people are going to hurt us or that something bad is going to happen. But we we have we have that peace um, and safety. Uh, so that and it even affects our uh, facial expressions. In safe and social, we give off safe cues. Um, so our eyes are softer, our, our face muscles are relaxed. Um, the muscles in our ears are tuned into a different tone of a, a more of that mi middle tone in, in this. And um, the, the tone of our voice is more of that singing fluidity that up and down fluidity of our voice is, is that's when we're in safe and social. Um, and it's just a really nice place to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's <laughs> sympathetic and that's so safe and social is, is the part of that nervous system. It kind of controls your, your face and the, um, 
Yeah, and so the sympathetic part of the, the nervous system is where kind of controls more of the chest area. Just, I'll just jump in and add, I think you meant to say it, but the vagus nerve is, um, the vagus nerve is the largest bundle of nerves in our body, and it goes from the skull all the way down through our whole torso and chest. It innervates most organs, and it it, it is our mind-body connection. It's like mm -hmm. the epicenter of the mind-body connection. And so when Luke's saying the safe and social is um, is represented, it's, it's controlling the face. That's why you can look at someone and just tell by the look on their face if they're safe or if they're activated and angry or if their their affect is flat mm -hmm. and you're in a conversation and you're begging them to see you and attune to you, but they just have a flat affect. That is all because of the vagus nerve controlling the face. Yeah. Um, and that's why sometimes when you're with somebody, you're like, they don't feel safe. I don't know why. They didn't say anything. They didn't do anything, but it's like, it's a flat affect. It's the tone of voice. Wow. Your, your 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 nervous system, your vagus nerve is picking up all of that and creating meaning based on your previous experiences. So then, the sympathetic um, the sympathetic part and this part of the nervous system uh, in the vagus nerve is where it, it innervates with your your chest organs, your heart, your lungs. Um, so in here, you'll have a high you'll tend to have a um, a rapid heart rate. Uh, rapid breathing and shallow breathing. Um, uh, you may, you'll, you won't be looking for connection in this one because you don't feel safe. You don't feel connect. You don't, um, you feel that fight, flight, and freeze um, desire of. So you're you're hyper vigilant. Where is the, where is the the threat coming from? Where is, um, uh. Where, yeah, where's the threat coming from? So you're feeling anxious, you're feeling worried. Um, you kind of jittery and agitated. And so this is like that an anxious feeling. Um, so a lot of people who feel anxiety, this is because they're in that sympathetic activation part of the nervous system. Um, so you're restless, you're on edge. Um, uh, you, you may be productive and efficient, but you're driven by stress and um, urgency, um, and you're worried. You you don't have that hope of, of peace and future. You have more of a a, a pessimistic view of oh, someone's going to hurt me, someone's going to go wrong, um, and that's why again why you have that anxiety. Um, and and going back to physical. So here you'll have more of a, a monotone voice. Uh, you'll have a flat affect. Oh, uh, sorry, let me back up. Um, not necessarily uh, flat affect because you may be actually angry and um, and it's not monotone. Maybe like a robot, but you don't have the access to the fluidity. And so you may be yelling, but it's not like a, it's it's. It's a monotone, not maybe monotone like we think of it as like, hi, this is Luke, but it's like angry and it's not, mm -hmm. it's not inviting. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not giving off cues of safety. Right. You're going to be, you're going to be very tense. Your muscles are going to be tense um, and just hypervigilant. Um, it, it's not a fun place to be. And this isn't where 
uh, healing happens because in this state, you're feeling a lot of stress, which is creates a lot of um, uh, inflammation. Um, you can't rest and heal in the, this state. And the final one is shutdown. And that part of the vagus nerve is more controls your, your stomach. Um, so your heart rate still may be increasing, your, your uh, decreases, sorry. Um, your breathing is slower. In this state, you you're feel frozen. Um, you will usually have a flat affect. You feel heavy, so it's hard to move. Um, you don't have access to vocal process. I never, I always struggle with that word. I, <laughs> but it's, it's a monotone. Um, um, you don't have a, access to a wide range of emotions. Um, you want to socially isolate. So this is maybe, this is where you, you feel more of that depressed feeling. Mm. You avoid eye contact. You're not pursuing <laughs> connection. Um, and it's just not a whole lot of hope. You're very discouraged. You feel like this is going to swallow you and there's no hope to feeling anything different. Um, you can be dissociated and there's a, a wide spectrum of what dissociation looks like. It could um, be like a dissociation like that we'd normally see it, but it could be just checking out. Um, yeah. It might be watching movie after movie, uh, show after show, it might just be laying in bed and, and not engaging. And um, you lack motivation. You don't have hope and dream. You feel stuck, powerless. Um, and this is, and um, these are all reactions to um, experiences that you've had in the moment and that you've had in the past. Um, so again, like you could, we, we kind of described kind of a very stereotypical look of like a, maybe a long period, but we can jump in between these throughout the day. We can feel, we can be interacting with, maybe with our kids and being discouraged and frustrated and, and being shut down. And then we leave the house and go on a date and we're in safe and social. And then we come back home and the house is a mess and we're in sympathetic and um that's not a personal hypothetically totally hypothetical this could be never possible you, i could imagine you've just, you've just heard of people like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, you know you know that some people are like that but not you, I, you that's, I, that's what people tell me <laughs> that's what people tell you um, asking for a friend <laughs> yeah what amazes me is as you went through each of these states, I can think of specific things that were completely uninformed and just flat out ignorant that these different states are, you're accused of being bitter, you're accused of being judgmental. So like if you're, if yeah. you're having a response in your body to someone being unsafe, it, when we grew up in these conservative churches, we're told that we're being judgmental. Yeah. Um, if we shut down, we're told we're being lazy. I'm just thinking about how oh, yeah. the very things that happen inside of our body that are physical reactions to things that are happening and then how we end up being shamed and blamed for something that we really can't even control what our body's feeling. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, it's, there's a whole lot of like just unlearning really toxic things we've been taught about our bodies. Yeah, that is such a good point because people don't value, okay, I shouldn't say people, certain <laughs> groups 
right. haven't valued the sciences as right. much as right. they are valuable and meaningful to our lives when we understand the how the anatomy and physiology of the body, it, it is absolutely empowering to realize that these are autonomic states, which right. means they're involuntary. Right. We are we are in these states because our body is putting us in those states. And right. instead of being disempowered, that can actually be empowering because right. like you said, all the shame we've attached to the feeling of being in sympathetic or being in shutdown, maybe our whole lives, we now realize, oh, this is an adaptation that my body has done to try and keep me safe in a very right. unsafe environment. Yeah. And I'm not a crappy person. I'm actually right. that yeah. I'm yes. adapting. I love and that. Now, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I know that it's it's what my body's doing, I can ask a different question. I, I don't need to say, oh, I need to try harder or I need to push myself or shame myself. I can say, what does my body need to feel mm. safe again so that or, I can shift into that safe and social state and feel differently? Or we tell ourselves that we're like Debbie Downers and we're pessimists and yes. 9.999 times out of 10 when I sense that someone is unsafe, I, my, my gut reaction is correct. That's right. And, and I've had people, I've had people say to me, Oh, you're just so judgmental. Is there anybody you like? Oh yeah. I do like a lot of people. I do not (laughs) like unsafe, dangerous abusers. And my body knows my body responds and I could be meeting somebody for the first time and sense this person is unsafe and then go back and check with people who do know that person. And yes. I'm serious, 9.999 times out of 10, yeah. what I was sensing in my gut was correct. Yep. And instead of beating ourselves up, we just learn to trust our, our instincts and, mm-hmm. and remove ourselves. If we're in a situation that's, that's not right. safe, we don't have to remain there. So good, really, really good stuff there. So do we move on now to the, um, the safety pillars, the ABCs? Is that what's next for us? This is really, really incredible information that you guys are, you made accessible on your podcast. And so um, each month in Held and Healed, I'm going to feature a different, what I'm calling podcast study <laughs> instead of a book study. Oh, so th- this month we're focusing on Ad- um, some of Adam Young's stuff, which I know you guys love Adam Young. Love and, and then next month for the month of July, I'm going to feature your all's ABCs, the pillars, because I think that for so many people just listening to it, it's soothing, it's informative, it's validating. So um, let's talk, let's talk about those pillars that you all <laughs> teach in your practice. And I love, I love that there's ABCs because that helps my brain to remember them. Yes, we need that help. And it's amazing that it actually, it fits an an acronym because truly they are such foundational pillars for healing um, from anything really. And so um, it's ABCDEs and we cheat a little bit and we'll tell you about the cheat in a second, but the first one is an A, it's for acceptance. And acceptance, again, this is the tiny little uh, blip on it. So hopefully they can check out if they're yes. interested, they can check yes. out the, the bigger explanation because, of course, we're going to simplify it. But acceptance is is a tenet that we think will imprison us, which actually totally can free us. When we can look at our life honestly, accurately, realistically, not in a dissociative way, but in a let me look at the reality of my life and, and where I'm at and Um, my choices and the people around me and the health of the relationships around me, when I can look at that accurately, I can decide 
what I need to be healthy, to be safe, to recover, to heal. And that acceptance of what we do have control over and what we don't have control over, and then how we proceed can be so empowering to the healer. Um, so acceptance is pillar one and are the first pillar. And that also helps us walk into grief when we're able to accept. Yes. yes. There's so much to grieve usually in our stories. Mm -hmm. And when we can live in reality and see our, our story truthfully and yeah. then acknowledge the loss and the pain that we've, we've suffered, then we can start grieving yeah. those, those wounds. And, and your audience probably is very familiar with this, but you, uh, it's amazing the stories we've seen and people that we've worked with of when they repress their grief and yes. they do not let themselves into that that realm, it is remarkable what the body will do. It will completely fall apart phys phys physically yeah. if, if that grief is not given space. And so it's hard. You can't really grieve until you look honestly, right? And, and accept these really, really hard realities. Um, so acceptance, right, gives birth to grief, which is <clears throat> crucial for healing. B is for beauty. And this is all about tapping back into what we, our bodies naturally respond to in the world um, that's beautiful, that's fun, that's playful, that's, that's life-giving, that is enjoyable. All of those things that trauma often disconnects us from and says, these aren't for you anymore. You've mm -hmm. been hurt, you've been damaged. And it's not a conscious thought, but if you tap down, you can really see how you've believed. Well, that sunset, it, it's not, it's not really mine. Maybe mm -hmm. other people enjoy it, but I'm, I'm too broken or I'm, I'm too hurting. Or we'll just see it and not sit with it. Right. Like so much we, with trauma, we just disengage from our body and we just kind of float through the, through life. And we don't, we may see the sunlight, but not I see the sunset, but not receive the gift of the beauty. Mm -hmm. And we just move forward because subconsciously we just like, I, that's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. And tapping back into beauty. It's one of those things that if, the, if you get little, little doses in, it will expand and grow bigger and bigger. And your access to beauty will get so much more full because a lot of people just feel like I just don't feel anything. All I feel is mm -hmm. bad. I can't feel any of that good mm -hmm. but little by little we can. And so that's um, the second pillar. And the third is compassion. And in this, we refer to self-compassion, which is very powerful. It's been studied really extensively, actually, the effects of self-compassion on the body and the mind. And it is a it is a foundational part to our healing because if we continue to see ourselves in the ways that we've been seen, right. which is where we get, you know, our perception of ourselves from is how other people perceived us, if we can't shift into a place of understanding why we've made the choices we've made and seeing ourselves through a gracious, compassionate lens and posture, um, it's really hard to heal if we're still in that that critical space of shame and condemnation in our minds. So self-compassion opens us up to a whole new way of being with ourselves. And um, goodness, it's just, it's such a gift. Um, the, the fourth is D. So this is where we cheat a little bit. It's, it's <laughs> for down. And what we mean here is slowing down. And this pillar is all about um, accessing a new type of tempo and um, engagement with our days. 
with how we, we talk, with how we walk, how we pace ourselves, how full we fill our days. It is all about recalibrating to what our body actually does well with versus what we think we should do or accomplish or the, the rate that we feel like we should go at. And slowing down, man, it just, um, when you can, and again, this is all on a nervous system level. And so these things require nervous system regulation, which is a big part of our pillars. It, it is the outcome of the pillars and it's also foundational to the pillars. So mm -hmm. when you can begin to have more of that regulated energy, not that driven, urgent or shut down energy, you can experience just a totally different pace in your body. And it feels really foreign. I'm speaking from serious experience here. <laughs> it feels so foreign when you've been going at such a breakneck speed for so many years, sometimes decades. Mm -hmm. And when you can, you know, that phrase, like stop and smell the flowers, when you mm -hmm. can slow down and be um, in your days in a more mindful way, it, it's so helpful to healing. And that's kind of what I was mentioning, like the, the sunset. Sometimes that pace is what takes us away from seeing the beauty is because we're, we're just going to our next event, our next activity, accomplishing the next thing, uh, finishing, like maybe we're on a walk. We can see that, that sunset, but we have to finish the walk. So let's, mm -hmm. let's focus on finishing the walk. And, but if we can slow down and not be so sympathetically driven and so task oriented, we can take in more of that beauty. Yes. I love it. I love it. Which is really, really connected to the last pillar, which is E, embodiment. And embodiment is a little bit more of an abstract concept, but if you can just think of it like reconnecting to the wisdom of your body, that wisdom that's always been there, that's been buried and, and manipulated in more, uh, I can't that the intuition that Heather was just talking about, like 99.9% .9 of the time, yeah, yeah. someone's not safe, you know it. And yeah. that's embodiment, being able to listen in to those cues. Yep. And tap back into to who you are underneath all that, that has happened to you. Um, and embodiment allows us to, to live more aligned with, with what we need, with what we value, not what everyone else around us thinks that we need to do or value or yeah. what. It, embodiment is a way to be fully yourself and fully present with, um, with in your story and pursuing the life that you you desire. And so, slowing down in embodiment, the last two pillars really go together because it's very hard to be an embodied person if you are going at a crazy breakneck speed. And, and also if you're shut down in that, that bottom state of more dissociation, that's also not embodied. So embodiment is really being online, your whole, your whole person integrating and connecting. And um, so those are the pillars, the ABCDEs, and they're all based upon the foundation of safety. And why safety is the foundation is because uh, just like we said, the, the states that are not safe and social, the two protective states, those come because of a lack of safety. And in those states, it is very hard to have relationships, to have a relationship with ourselves, mm. to do our dreams. All the things that we love and that make life meaningful are very hard to access when yeah. we're not regulated. And if we're not regulated, it's because we don't have felt safety. And so mm. we're all about reconnecting people to the safety that 
they have access to with themselves and then with safe other people. I love it. And there's, like you said, there's so much more that could be said. You guys have done a podcast on every single one of these. And so if uh, listeners want to go to the Field to Flourish podcast, you expand upon each one in great, great depth. And I think I've listened to the first, I think ABC, uh, this, I've done safety, acceptance, and um, beauty. I think I've listened to each mm-hmm. of those three, three times each. <laughs> and every and every time that I do, I hear something new. Wow. So yeah, it's just it's a lot of information packed into each episode. So we just barely even scratch the surface. Yeah. So um, give us an example or two of how someone could help to regulate their their nervous system when they are in a point of of feeling um, triggered and feeling overwhelmed because it's really important that we have tools and we don't just have our therapist on speed dial. That's not sustainable for us or for our therapist. Right. So, um, what, what is like one of your favorite grounding um, exercises that you um, suggest to clients? Yeah. Um, there's so many of these as well, um, but we'll just try to give a couple and um one of them is just breathing. Um, and there's so many different breathing techniques out there. Um, but like just taking that moment when you're feeling sympathetically activated, when you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling dissociated, when you're, you're just taking that big deep breath and just um, noticing that breath, feeling that breath. Uh, it just helps ground you because um, a lot of times when we're triggered, we are disembodied and then we are also uh, reliving previous experiences mm-hmm. based on our nervous system. So that breath, and that grounding helps your body recognize that you're present, that you're not in that state where you were threatened or where you didn't feel safe. Um, so you can do that breathing and there's again, lots of different ways of breathing. Um, but just focusing on the breath is what I would just say today is slowing it down, slowing it down and just focusing on it, Mm -hmm. taking that deep breath. Um, and and another one would be engaging your senses and you can do that even while you're breathing. Um, and by, uh, just really noticing how that breath is, is feeling. Um, how is it shifting your state? Is it, is it giving you any sensations in your body? Um, but um, separate from that, just engaging your senses is another way of grounding. That can be just looking around your room you're in, or you're going outside, looking out your window and just seeing color, seeing beauty, noticing it, noticing the colors that you see, noticing the color of the sky, seeing birds, listening to the birds, hearing, mm-hmm. hearing music, um, calming music, um, listening to the fan can be just as simple as that as if you start feeling yourself go out and like rev up, just any sound. Um, it could be also just um, taking a bite of, of a snack and just engaging with the taste of it. So being intentional, what are you, ta- what are you eating? Um, what are you drinking? That coffee that you're drinking, what about it? it tastes good. Uh, is it warm? Is it hot? Is it cold? And you're just noticing um, 
those engaging those senses. So again, you're allowing your body to feel present and notice the beauty of that flavor of, of the, what you're seeing. Um, and that just engages your, re-engages your frontal lobe and deactivates your limbic system so that you can uh, feel safe and not, not be triggered. And we really enjoy and promote with our clients a lot is just movement and movement doesn't have to be complicated, mm -hmm. but moving our body, especially in a rhythmic way. So even if that's swaying or um, it sounds kind of funny, but like shaking your hands, like you have water on them, like shaking them off, um, dancing, which sometimes we don't feel like doing, but can really help shift your state. Yoga, gentle movement through yoga um, or stretching. It's amazing what rhythm does for the nervous system. Rhythmic mm -hmm. babies love to be lulled to sleep with rhythm. Uh, we're not any different. Our nervous systems really respond well to rhythm. And so any type of movement can help shift you and ground you when you are starting to, to go out of your window of tolerance. Um, it's amazing what engaging the body can do. It doesn't have to be complicated. Well, we naturally, instinctively, if someone puts a baby in our, in our arms, like we will sway with that baby <laughs> in a way that we would not if we didn't have a baby in our arms. So you can watch people like in church or things like that where there's music. And if someone has a baby in their arms, they're almost always going to be moving. Right. And then when we don't nope. have the baby in our arms, we're so like confined and restricted. Mm -hmm. And we, I don't know what that you know, what the science mm -hmm. is behind that, having that mm -hmm. baby in your arms, you just, you start to do, you start to sway. So yeah, if, if I want to sway, I just need to think that I'm holding a baby and then I <laughs> there you go. And it comforts a baby. So it stands to reason that it would comfort That's us. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Such good, good stuff. And I even recently realized when I was really, really sick, I, um, I think I was having some sort of a detox reaction and I had a migraine and I was in excruciating amounts of pain mm -hmm. and I realized something I have done since I was a child when I had that kind of pain, I moan. Yeah. I moan. Mm -hmm. And it's not that it really does anything, but it does. Like it, yeah. it sounds like I'm dying. And for anybody else who's in the room or anywhere nearby, they probably think, oh my gosh, she's dying. But mm -hmm. for me, it is comforting when I'm in that kind of pain just to let it out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I'm regulating my nervous system without even realizing what I'm doing. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually, uh, it's, it's stimulating your vagus nerve. Yeah. Which is regulating your nervous system. Which is regulating your nervous system. Which is regulating your nervous and I will also yeah. get up on all fours when I have like full body aches, like when you have the flu and you hurt from head to toe, I'll get up on all fours and I will, I will like move back and forth. Yep. Um, yes. So, I mean, I've been mm. doing these things. It's like our bodies know to do these things, even if we don't They're understand. Intuitive. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we yeah. could talk forever in a day. I know we could, <laughs> um, but for the sake of our listeners, we're just giving them little nuggets and then they can go digging deeper. So tell yeah. everybody where they can find you and a little bit about the services you offer. Yes, absolutely. So our website is flourishtherapy.co. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, Instagram and YouTube, as well as TikTok, because all the things matter, apparently. Yes, you guys, um, <laughs> do an, you guys do an amazing job with all those platforms. 
Thank you so much. It's been fun. Um, so we we offer we work together with people in the Flourish Signature Program. That's where we see people who have um, issues in their physical body as well as emotional traumas that they're trying to um, heal. And so that's our program where we work together. And Luke also works with people one on one or in couples therapy, also offering intensives depending on what their needs are through for trauma healing work. And we have a new offering that is coming out oh. and all of those programs come into three to six month um, offerings packages. packages yeah yep and they're um virtual or if you want to come see us in thailand in person <laughs> <laughs> we would love it um but yes our new we have a new online group coming called regulate and recover it's trauma healing from the effects of abuse it's a six-week group this first one we're going to do is just going to be female and it's starting June 30th. It'll be Thursday evenings for six weeks. And this group is, um, we're super excited about this because we're able to work with people um, together, but not, it's a little bit more accessible than the three month packages for people mm -hmm. that, that want to work with us, that want to, to kind of follow our healing paradigm um, and want to do it in, in the comfort and in the camaraderie with other people who are recovering from different types of abuse. Right. So this is open to anyone who is recovering from emotional, spiritual, physical, um, any type of abuse that you've experienced that has harmed you and you're having effects in your body and mind from this. Uh, this is all about recovering from that. And that and Thursday evening is Thursday evening in the States. Yes. For this <laughs> <laughs> this is the challenge that you all have with the time changes and all the yes. different people you're helping around the world. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much. I, I can't say enough about how much I have learned from you and just appreciate the, um, just the camaraderie and the support and the encouragement that you guys give me very regularly. And I just hope that a lot of people go check out your resources and your podcast because um, there's so much to be learned there. So I appreciate you guys. I'm grateful for you. And you. I hope that lots and lots of people come your way from this. Thank you so much, Heather. It's great to chat with you as always. Yes. All right. Blessings. Enjoy it.